Hello, y'all. How's it going? We are back here on the Playmakers Corner podcast, here to talk some Last Chance You, as well as some film breakdown of a player that used to play at Laney College. I am your co-host, Cody Stoffer. And I'm your other co-host, uh, Simon Voyanos. And Liam was up late, late, late last night. I actually saw him on my way to coaching my first game at like 6.30 in the morning and he hadn't gone to bed. So um, he's catching up on sleep, but we're here and we're ready to rock and roll. And we got Last Chance You episode six and actually high school football just started here in the state of Colorado. So I know that there's going to be film to break down. Once again, we always say it at the end of episodes, but I'm going to say it at the forefront here. If you have film or a player that you want us to break down that's in high school, just please send in the film and direct message us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We will take a look at the film and gladly do an episode and maybe even have the athlete on the show. So now that we've acknowledged that, we are on to Last Chance You Episode 6. Simon, what what happened in this episode? What was the quick synopsis before we start discussing um, our reactions and stuff? Yeah, so I kind of feel like this episode was a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more relaxed, which is kind of weird because they were playing, shoot, it wasn't Modesto. They were playing San Mateo. Is that right? Or San Mateo? I believe so. The best team in the San Mateo. Yeah, San Mateo. They beat that one team, Modesto, that they lost to early in the season. They were on a hot streak, 5-0. and And so, you know, this was... One of, you know, it's just one of those games that you kind of need to win to, to get your season back on track. Last week in the City game, they won that one just barely. And so they're already there. This one would have put them over the edge. And so that was the big game this week. Um, in addition, you know, you're still following everyone else. We followed Nuu for a little bit. Uh, got some insight on his family, his background, his relationship with his dad. Um uh coach beam also also had a you know nice little heart to heart to him kept it real with him uh dior we i mean they didn't really go into his stuff a little bit more but um he got to interact with his dad for the first time in a while which was at the very end of the episode which we could talk about that in a little bit and uh and you know rj's (laughs) rj's rj you know he's he's doing his thing and uh, he had an all right game I'll, i'll put it out there but, you know, just the attitude and I don't know. That, I, I don't want to talk too much about it. <laughs> Literally today, I just listened to that RJ episode like again. And so it was it was interesting seeing some of the things we had to say, some of the things I had to say about RJ and whatnot. But I really do feel like it kind of like this episode definitely reaffirmed a lot of those ideas, especially the fact that. I, I don't want to call his support system a bunch of enablers, but they do have some enabling tendency. Um, they're the family friend, shoot, I don't even know his name, but he seems like a good guy. You know, he seems like a father figure to RJ. He they he took him, uh, sorry, he took RJ out to to lunch or I don't know to a meal or something like that, and they're talking about offers and whatnot since offers was coming up, and you know the end of the season is coming up, and so. Uh, RJ definitely threw a lot of people under the bus. He, he said coach beam really didn't care about him. And coach beam isn't the type of guy to like look out for him basically, which I, I don't know. It really, I don't know. 
like for me i i could kind of see how why rj is saying that and where he's coming from but also like as a coach it makes you look bad like reputation wise it makes you look bad if you you know if you refer somebody that honestly just doesn't play to your expectations even and so if that player doesn't even play to ex- to your expectations how are you gonna refer that player to another coach and assume they'll play to their expectations you know and rj just hasn't done that he continues to make the same mistake over and over and over again like there's definitely a pattern and it's like week seven and so i don't know um cody did you have anything you wanted to comment on that real quick yeah so i actually also wrote down in my notes that it rj's uh family friend is totally an enabler like yeah like i don't know how i mean obviously you know if you're in um someone's support system right you want to encourage them right which he did and that's fine and all but to try and tell rj that coach beam isn't really doing his job that's not his place i don't think um and i think that it just continues to um it continues to create this environment for rj where he doesn't have to be held accountable for his own actions right because mm. the family friend, of course, is only going to see RJ's side of things. And he's he doesn't really seem like a football guy either. So, like, no. you know, that's another thing. It's like, you know, RJ is talking to this family friend. I also don't remember his name. And yeah. it's just one of those things where it's like, well, of course, like, you're going to like to hear what this guy has to say. But this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. And yeah. and like speci- the specific sentence I wrote was RJ's family friend is telling RJ all the wrong things. I do want to follow up on that, though, and say that RJ had a pretty all right game. You know, he had he had a touchdown, I think. Um, yeah, he in, did. in this game, he had a touchdown and, you know, he he was good for a couple of decent plays and didn't. I mean, he had, he had one screw up, but he kept it pretty minimal. And I don't know um, if he played like that every single week, he would have a higher chance of being in the starting role, right? Because yeah. like the one thing, I don't know if we talked about it too much last week when talking about, you know, the, the RJ episode, but RJ is a good athlete or a couple of weeks ago, RJ is a good athlete, right? And it's mm-hmm. just up between the ears that he needs to improve as a football player. So when he gets the ball, he can be explosive. And they found ways to put him on the field, and he executed, and it worked. So you would think he might get more playing time, right? But right. it's a slippery slope with RJ, right? Because then if you put him in and he messes up, because that's it's basically like a coin toss every play on if he's going to do what his job is. I, and yeah. I think that doesn't like it's just the truth though. Right. Right. So, you know, they run that risk of him either doing the complete wrong wrong assignment or getting ran out of bounds, basically, when he just outside releases all the way to the sideline um, and doesn't stem his route back. You know, they they run that risk. So I'm I'm excited to see where this RJ arc goes in the last two episodes. Um, But yeah. It was it was interesting this week, and and it is just another 
one of those things where it's like, yeah, his support system is not good. I mean, we see plenty of people whose support system isn't good, right? But, you know, I'd, I won't argue that, it, like, there's such a difference between not having a support system and then having a support system that's just going to say, like, good job, no matter what you do. Like, I'd even argue that that support system is more damaging because there is 0% chance for growth versus if you don't have a support system, then you have to hold yourself accountable, you know, which we see with some other players like Dior, um, specifically, it would be the one that comes to my mind where, you know, he doesn't really yeah. talk to people about football, you know, so he knows what he has to do, right? So I think that those are great contrasts in what support systems do or don't do, right? Because those are like the two complete opposite ends of the spectrum, right? You have RJ support system that's like, yeah, 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 you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. And then you have Dior's support system, which he doesn't really have one as far as football goes, other than, you know, the people on the team. And it, you can see it in their work ethic. So that was one of my biggest takeaways. Oh, for sure. And I agree. Um, I I kind of hesitated on calling his uh, mentor an enabler just because he did say his enabler did say like, hey, like, don't like don't hold that stuff in. Like, you got to express yourself. You know, you got to express yourself type of thing. And he's right, because at that point, RJ was just like, well, that's just something you don't talk to Coach Beam about, you know. Um, and I'm referring to when they were talking about colleges because his mentor asked him, like, you know, what? what's your list of colleges? What's your top five, like, dream schools? And he was, and he listed a couple. And then he asked, like, do you have any interest or offers from them? And he's like, no. You know, Coach Beam really doesn't help out guys like me is what he basically said and then he said well have you talked to coach beam about it and he's like no i feel like that's just something you don't talk to coach beam about but like you definitely see you know new uh rajon uh, dior like there's a ton of guys that i feel like talk to him about it because i i don't i don't know we don't see those like straight up but like the way that like coach beam is talking to them definitely infers that like they must have had a conversation before you know so i i don't know i think i think he made a really good point there telling rj to express himself and then obviously rj just like said yeah 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 i will and then obviously did it so yeah but all right well that is that but let's uh let's move on a little bit let's talk about new so uh i really like this scene but coach beam had a very nice like heart to heart with a new just about everything, you know. It started about them talking about Samoan culture. Well, actually, I don't know if it was Samoan culture. I think it was actually Pacific Islander culture. But the story that Coach Beam was talking about was about him going to a Samoan household. I'm pretty sure that Nuu is Tongan, but I might be wrong, though. But anyways, they're talking and whatnot. And so it started that way. And then they started talking about family and, you know, commitments and, you know, going to the next level because... Nuu, he had brothers, or I don't know if it's brothers or brother. I know he had one, Mason, who uh, played football for Coach Beam. And, you know, he did he did pretty well. And in the words of Nuu, he said that Coach Beam showed him a list of 20 D1 schools who wanted his brother. But none of them, like, they all dropped their interest, though, because his brother's grades weren't just, they just weren't there. And so he ended up going D2. And then... um. Beam tells Nuu, like, 
you know, you got a real good opportunity here to, to go D1, you know, and to be in a great situation and to get a full ride scholarship and to get a good, you know, education. And then, you know, that kind of just took off and they started talking about his future and football and all of that stuff. And Nuhu did say like, you know, it is a pretty slim chance of, you know, myself making it to the NFL. So I'm really focused on school and whatnot and just getting to that next level uh, type of thing. You know, uh, and he still loves football, but, you know, he, he's being real with himself. And Coach Beam, I think, definitely helped him with that as well. But, uh, Cody, what do you think of that conversation? I think that scene combined with the intro scene where News' mom was talking about him and his wife and saying how, and this 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 is some insight for sure, but she definitely said how New should uh, start acting more like a husband, more like an adult. And I think that definitely reflects on some of the pressure that he may be facing because you know he is a father right he is a husband he's not working and he's not really providing and he's at school and he's at football so he's not with his kids as much as he should be and so there's definitely uh i don't know i sent some internal pressure from within the family there but what do you think about all this cody about new at least well, I, I think that the, the message, like you said, early in the episode was new needs to dial it in, right? He needs to focus. He needs to figure out what he's doing and he needs to beeline towards it, right? And we yeah. saw that this point was emphasized even further with the talk with Coach Beam. And we also got further insight into who Nu is as a person, right? And as a father based off of the story of him and his father, right? Because... They, they dove into that and Nuu's father was an addict and in and out of Nuu's life for for a few years off and on off and on and you know I think that that story a helped me understand like Nuu as a father right like you know maybe he's you know maybe he's not the most responsible guy but he loves his kids right like there's yeah. not a single doubt and he wants to do what's best for him he just hasn't figured out what that is yet or what that looks like and unfortunately you know his kids are growing up fast you know like not yeah. not fast enough to like watch themselves but like what he does right now is so important for not only his future but for their future too right mm -hmm. and you know i think that you could start to see some clarity for Nu following these conversations with his family following this conversation with beam and you know we'll we'll get to the game a little bit later but Nu flipped a switch in this game for sure um and he played a lot better than he had all season i think against arguably the best competition that he's faced all season he I... was super aggressive and i think it's because he was given a focus because you know he, he said something along the lines of I don't want to tell my kids to go to college when I haven't even graduated, right? So yeah, yeah. He, he's kind of put a timer on it, right? Where it's like, okay, I want to graduate college within the next like, you know, three or four years because then by that time, um, his oldest daughter will be old enough to like remember stuff, right? So yeah. them being at his graduation, that's huge for the goal that he has set for himself and his family. And... You know, I just think he does certainly have like a lot of pressure, I think, from all sides. And I think he's just he's growing up in front of us, I think, you know. Um, yeah, for sure. A, out of necessity. And B, I think that, you know, he has 
Nau has a pretty solid support system, I'd say. It does. Yeah. And and Coach Beam is is doing his best to try and steer Nau in the right direction, right? Because you can't push somebody into making decisions, right? You can't push them into a lifestyle. You just have to try and guide them. And if you, you have to lay down the road, and if they take it, then they take it, right? And I think Nau is starting to travel that road. Right. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, I feel like every episode he's he's getting better. You know, every episode he's improving and he's getting better as in getting more mature as an adult, right? Like, there's definitely some development going on. And I feel like this episode might be a vital, um, not episode, but like, you know, a vital point in his life where he's like starting to figure it out because it kind of does reflect on his play too. Like, I feel like, uh, at the beginning, at the beginning of the season, he was definitely a little bit all over the place. But like, as the season goes on, um, looking back at last game and then this game as well, like he just brings that intensity that you want, right? And he just keeps going and going and going and going. And so that's uh, definitely a sign of maturity for me because look, it's hard to do that, you know. Um, it takes it takes a lot of maturity to know like, all right, you know, this game may not be going how I want it, but. We gotta we gotta persevere because I've been in enough situations where you know it does work out in the end, even though it looks kind of tough right now. So, you know, for me that's a big plus for New, and I'm happy for him as well. And I think um, I don't know. I I know there's a lot of pressure there, but I think he'll be just okay. So, yeah, he went from being, I'd say, a par or solid player those first few games, right, into truly a dominant looking player between yes. this game against um san mateo right and yeah, san mateo. Um, and and san francisco as well right mm -hmm. he he put on a show in both of those games and it's kind of it coincides with the more and more talks that he's had with beam yeah. speaking of right. that san francisco game though i'm going to kind of transition us just a little bit and talk about some of the aftermath of that game, right? So you have Rajon who busted his ankle pretty good. He was not able to play against um, San Mateo because it was he tried, but he definitely, I think he made the right decision by not playing because his ankle was just not ready to go. Um, so that's a lesson to talk about with with youth. And that's that's something that I'm experiencing in my coaching career right now, right? Because, mm -hmm. there, like, I always preach this. There's a difference between hurt and injured, right? Hurt, you know, hurt is football, you know. You, you're yeah. sore, you know. Um, some of my kids are getting, um, oh, my gosh. Why am I spacing on the uh, <laughs> shin splints? Some of my kids are getting shin splints. Ah. And, like, you think that they were, like, stepped on a landmine or something. And uh, I took a little trick that simon uses that we got from our our friend jesse and former co-host of uh the cycle if listen young athletes if you have shin splints you gotta take a lacrosse ball or a tennis ball or something and you gotta roll it out man and it it's oh. not fun simon can attest to this it hurts oh okay i mean it's okay it's not fun but like it's like that kind of pain that like feels definitely relieving too to a degree you know yeah, so. well, the, the next day, one of my players came back and they were good to go. But anyways, okay, good. But so th th there's a little um, home remedy remedy trick for you. But as far as like actual career stuff goes, 
players, you have to know your body. Like, whatever you don't tell a coach, we just have to infer on our own, basically. And so, you know, I have these kids that, you know, they're legit injured. They got looked at by by our trainer. Make sure you talk to your trainers too. Oh my gosh, they're they're there to take care of you. And there's this one kid, coach, can I get in? Can I get in? Can I get in? And it's like, you have to look at the big picture here, right? So if I put you in now and your injury gets worse and you miss the rest of this season and next season and you try and come back and play football as a junior after not being able to even really move properly, like in your base form for two years, it's almost never going to work. So you need to have the foresight as a player and you need to have the their wherewithal knowledge and even the courage to speak up, right? Where it's like, yeah, coach, I got this looked at by a trainer or doctor. They said it's this. They said we need to take it week to week. And then you need to hold yourself accountable too. Because, I mean, I can do my best to see how you play. And if you play different, then I could be like, okay, I'm not going to play you. But you know your body better than anybody else does, young athletes. And so you need to accept that role and then just be cognizant. But but don't but that goes both ways, right? You know, if you're hurt, then obviously like if you're injured, don't play. But if you're it's just a stinger, then it's also on you to make sure that you play. Which yeah. which brings me back to Rajon, and I'm coming full circle here. I know I'm kind of rambling a lot this episode. Simon, no, don't worry be, about it. That's usually your role, but it's my turn now. <laughs> um, Go for it. Go for it. I love it. Rajon, he injured his ankle in the last game and he tried to come back on the same game. And he was like hobbling on the field, like trying to hop to his position. And it's like, first off, um, you know, if you're if you're a team player, you don't do that. Right. Because you're a liability to the team if you're injured and somebody can burn you. Second off, you're a liability to yourself as far as like getting yourself hurt more. Right. So Rajon didn't really read his body right. And he tried to come back too soon for the San Mateo game. He tried to just basically tape the heck out of it and come back and play and it didn't work right which he was smart enough to know that he he wasn't to go for that day right and it took a lot of strength to not play it's strong to not play especially if you know the game's important but it's better to not play and and save for another day right there will be another day rajon you know he's looking at division one offers and it's best not to risk it because if he has a career ending injury, that's it. Right. Oh. It, like that's all she wrote for Ray Jean Wright's career, but he sat out this game and I thought that that was really strong, but you know, and, and the players are giving him kind of a hard time, which is pretty surprising because Ray Jean is so good. And uh, Simon, I just, I just yeah. want to kind of let you talk about, your perspective on this Rajon situation and if you have anything to say about injury just knowing your body yeah oh for sure i have some stuff uh well hold up first things first about the players going hard on on him uh i don't know why and also damar like that little wide receiver i'm not gonna lie like i know he's really not a main character and there's probably a reason why for it but he just rubs me the wrong way like dude like why are you acting like like a jerk <laughs> like, like you be acting like you're so cold but you're really not though like you just be you just be talking just to talk type of thing and it's this isn't the first episode you did it before with dior point where it's like dude like are you actually a teammate or are you just talking just to talk um because to be honest 
I don't know. When they're making fun of like Rajon for like wanting to go back in and crying and Coach Beam like doing all of that stuff and supporting him, that just rubbed me the wrong way. And I made a note putting down here that it definitely uh, – here, actually, let me make sure I actually get this right. Here, I got it. Uh, but I made a note that this is a sign of a difference between the players who take it seriously and who don't, in my opinion. And maybe I'm just feeling like a little bit more hurt for Rajon, but at the same time, like – I don't see none of those players stepping up when it matters. You know, Timmy be making fun of everyone, but it seems like he's always like suspended for something stupid. So, or he's just not like, he's always just getting blown off the ball. Like, don't think I don't see you getting destroyed on, on the interior every single game. That's the reason there's no run game. So unless it's Dior. So all that being said, I think that definitely, it, de it was definitely a sign about uh, some of the attitudes and uh, leadership of some of these other players, which is, you know, they usually rely on Dior or on Rajon to like kind of carry them in that leadership role. And when you get into that spot with any team where players are relying too much on one or two other players, then, you know, those, those players become just a little bit needy and that becomes a big red flag, at least in my opinion. And we'll talk about that when it comes to the game later. But yeah, when it comes to injuries, though, look, patience is a virtue. And you got to know when you're good to go and when you're not good to go. Obviously, there are times where you could tough it out, right? But if you really feel like an injury is bad enough to the point where if you got hurt again, like if you re-injured it again, you would tear something, obviously don't play, right? High ankle sprains, I could be wrong here, but I feel like... Um, there's definitely a higher chance of, you know, tearing your Achilles heel or wait, not Achilles heel of you tearing your Achilles. If you're not careful, I don't know, is that right? Cody? I don't know if you actually, never mind. Uh, actually, you're the one, you're you the one who took, you're the one who took those classes, bro. That yeah. wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Never mind. I forgot you weren't in that class. <laughs> that's um, all but, you, uh, that's all you coach yeah. me. Well, okay, then I'll just go ahead and say it probably does because your ankle is already unstable. And if it's unstable, that means the rest of your muscles and bones are uh, vulnerable, especially and high ankle sprains. I'm not going to lie. They're annoying. Like usually some of them will stick around, but if it's really bad and you keep like in quotation marks, spraining it over and over again, eventually it gets to the point where like uh, something's got to tear, you know, so uh, I think Rajon made a good decision there. And you're right. You know, they kids, you got to know your body, you know, and you got to be in tune with your body. It's okay to know that you're hurt or that you have an injury and whatnot. And like, obviously don't just, you know, keep it to yourself. Let people know, you know, it might sound a little bit needy. I'm not going to lie. When players complain to me about injuries, it does sound a little bit needy, but like, I'd rather them like, tell me, and wait and wait and wait and then all of a sudden they have like an acl tear all of a sudden they break an achilles all of a sudden like they break a bone or something like that you know so i might as well have a million reports and actually know what the progress is than be in you know the complete dark and then be pushing you for no reason so what's that um dude what else did you want me to talk about i talked about rajon i talked about injuries was there anything else that was both. Okay, cool. But, All right. I was, well, sorry, go you ahead. mind if I uh, talk about one, one last thing that I think is also an important lesson 
based off of uh, yes. episode six. I think you and I both know what we're talking about. So athletes, young athletes listening to this, young coaches listening to this, social media is a demon, bro. Like, stay away from it. We saw in this episode, there was a handful of suspensions and sanctions placed on Laney because of a social media video that got out. I think it was on, it was either on Instagram or Facebook live, I think. And it was sent in and reported and, and players paid the price because they recorded a video in the locker room. I mean, if you haven't already seen it not work on the professional level with like Antonio Brown doing that stuff, being the like beginning of the end of his career, then then learn from it on last chance. You like players, players do not record anything in your locker room and and be smart about what you post on social media, because recruiters look at that. They look at your social media they look through it. Well, unless you're Josh Allen, they look through your stuff. Right. And, and that may be all that it takes for them to not give you an offer straight up. So just seriously think like, think like, man, would I want like my next professor at like a college to see this? Would I want my teacher to see this? Would I want my family to see this? If the answer to those questions is no, then don't do it to impress your friends at your high school. That's it's stupid and immature and you, you got to do better than that. And and even if you're at the college level, don't do it. Do you want your professors to see it? Do you want your president to see it? Do you want like president of your school? Do you want your family to see it? like if the answer to those is no, it's a pretty simple litmus test as to whether you should post it. Do you want young children to see whatever you're posting? Like, seriously, you have to. I, I don't want to say sense yourself, but to an extent you do like you just, there's just some things that you don't post, especially on social media. And that's forever. Like somebody screen records that or screenshots it. Boom. They have whatever you posted forever. So be smart about that. Oh, yep. that drove me nuts, dude. If any of my players ever got in trouble for <laughs> social media, bro. Oh, you don't go clap him, dude. Dude, I would. It would be a pretty sight. Trust me. No, I got you. Uh, look, be honest. Players nowadays, unless you're just a na you're naive or you're an idiot, you should know not to do this on social media. No, um, but people still do it, and so this is just your friendly reminder to make sure you don't act like an idiot, and. You know, st stay within your lane. Just look, just be honest. If you want to actually play a sport like you know, beyond the level that you're at now, whether it's Juco, college, high school, middle school, whatever, like if you want to actually play a sport uh, beyond the level where you're at right now, then you got to think about, you know, what, what it would take to get to that next level and to stay at that next level. Because if you get caught up in the moment and you're all like, oh, no, this would be a really cool thing to post or this is hilarious or I saw this other non-athlete post this or I want to impress this girl or guy or whatever, um, then basically that means if you're worrying about that more than your future, that means you're a little bit nearsighted. And I get it. You know, I was there, too. I was young and stupid, too. But I never did anything like that, you know, and you got to you got to remember that you don't want to peak in high school. You don't want to peak at at junior college 
You don't want to peak at, you know, wherever you're at. You want to continue to get better. And to continue to get better, you got to do things that are business decisions and make sense for you. And what those Laney College football players did, uh, I guess they're going to be peaking in Juco because they didn't they get cut. Some yeah. of them did. Yeah. I, some of so, them did. Um, I think some of the better, better players are still on the team, but only by a thread or something along those lines. So it was yeah. it was a what may seem like a harsh punishment really isn't because it's standard if you know. So read those handbooks, the handbooks, the athlete handbooks that they hand out in high school, Juco, college. I mean, they all say the same thing. And there is a social media portion in those now. So read through that, be educated and just be logical about it. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, that being said, let's move on to the San Mateo game. Uh, so I'm just going to, we'll, we'll go half by half. Uh, my initial reaction to that first half is, uh, we talked about this before, but Ryan Mackey is not it. <laughs> Carson Jarrett's not it. Kenny. I don't even know his last name still is not it. Um, like, I don't know. I guess they're working with what they got. Like, dang, bro. Ryan had like two turnovers on his own. One pick, another bad fumble, uh, just many more missed throws on key downs or not even on key downs, almost on every down. I feel whether it's first, second, third, fourth, whatever, like they're just screwing up. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. They are extremely lucky that it was only 16-0 at halftime because the positioning that the offense was giving the defense to work with was uh it was horrible. You know, I can't I can't say how terrible it was. Obviously, the defense is really good, and they're still struggling without Rajon. That was pretty apparent. But like, dude, they were they're getting put in really bad spots, like in the red zone almost immediately. Like, I think there was like a three-drive series. Or maybe it was the first three drives where the offense just literally kept turning it over. Either it was a touchdown or it was really close into the end zone. And so, I don't know. But that was a very frustrating... Once again, it was the offense's fault. But it was a very frustrating first half to watch. I don't know about you, Cody. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree that uh, quarterback is a problematic position. And uh, I think something that rings true for not only the first half, for the whole game is the offense doesn't have an identity. Like no. what is Laney college's offense? You know, I mean almost like I could even say at the high school, I, I coach at we're we're a running team. Okay. We have power runs and we pull our guards a lot, right? That's our identity, you know, and, and Laney college just doesn't have one. They can't be an air raid like most JUCOs because Ryan is not he's not a division he's not gonna I don't think he's gonna play college, college football after this I don't think he's good enough um yeah so he's he's not gonna elevate Kenny he's I mean he's out but definitely also not the answer and I just I don't know what Laney College is supposed to do right like they they're not really a running team but they're not good enough to be a passing team so yeah, working with a handful of no, yeah, sure. and it is. It's not even like 
it's like the offensive line not playing well because as the season went on and you know obviously they're o-line so they'll be overlooked but you know they've improved and they've played better and they've given whoever's there at quarterbacks a, a good amount of time usually you know there are sometimes where they was, struggle but, i was gonna say i'd argue this was like the offensive line's like second best performance that wasn't against a team that was bad you know in their 60 to 14 win yes. or whatever like they were supposed to do that no matter what but this game oh, they sure. they played up the the offensive line played up to san mateo's level yeah. um but it's a frustrating thing because usually it's i feel like it's usually the other way around because there's so many like skill players nowadays but uh usually it's like getting the offensive line up to date and that goes for pretty much any level of football you know the old line's always like it's the base of your base of your offense so it's frustrating when your offensive line is solid and they're good but literally everybody else is like i don't know like they're just not doing their thing you know so i don't know they kind of talked about the offense a little bit before too uh with those coaches at that bar again <laughs> they're talking about how you know it's basically the offense's fault that they've lost games like how they've gone into the red zone like a handful of times in a game and then literally not get any points at all not even a field goal which is pretty unacceptable and then you know they lose these close games and you wonder why it's because of the offense and so with all of that being said second half was a little bit different you know he had a couple players telling them to wake up rajon was in there saying it dior was saying it new no. is hyped as always yep so he was saying it as well um but look there's a reason it's really only those three and i feel like they definitely gave their best effort and they you know they did their thing and i think that was enough to give them just a little bit of a boost to get them into it because they had scored 14 unanswered points of those the first one actually was this really nice uh route that rj actually ran right for uh ran right for once as in sideline and you know he got a touchdown and it was kind of a long one too i want to say it was over 40 yards so there's that and so that kind of kicked things off and then defense continued to play well they got another one dior had a very nice catch um it was like a deep throw caught it for like 50 yards was down at the one they punched it in there you go and then all of a sudden it's like oh shoot what was it like 14 20 I, I think the score was actually 19 to 0 heading into half i think was it okay so 14 19 then right something something around there okay well because i know they missed the extra point san mateo it might have been it might so been. I've been 14. Either one. It was a one-score game. If they scored a touchdown, uh, they'd have a chance to either take the lead or tie it. And basically, it came to... I, okay, I don't want to criticize them too much, but it came down to this fourth down play in the red zone. I think it was fourth and one or fourth and inches. Might have been fourth and two, I think, actually. Something short like that. And... um, I don't know. Like I think, personally, I probably wouldn't have done this but they definitely chose to run the ball and it was like a dive and then they didn't get it and then san mateo came down you know and they you know they threw it all over them again and they scored a touchdown that was basically the dagger and they lost uh i'm not gonna lie like i said i definitely probably wouldn't have run it right there i would probably elect to go spread 
just because RJ and Dior are kind of hot right now and just see what happens, you know? And Ryan was doing well too. Like he actually picked it up. And so I would have just went spread and just see what happens. Uh, like in that, I want to say, yeah, it was the city game where uh, Dior caught that ball for the first down when it was fourth down and they needed a conversion to like ice the game. And so I probably would have went with that rather than running a dive because I feel like they really haven't ran a lot of those interior type of runs. Um, they did it. So, yeah, slant to Dior is a pretty good play. Yeah, or anybody like RJ was on his stuff. Like, just do a quick, you know, whip or an out or I don't know. I I I just felt like that point at the the secondary in that defense was reeling a little bit and. I think that would have been a perfect time to punch them in the mouth and really test them at least, you know. And if it didn't, and if they didn't get open, then Ryan could just like you know die forward for two yards. So I don't know. I mean, did you think? Well, did you think that wasn't a great call either, Cody? I mean, I would have probably gone with slant pass to Dior. I think is safer than okay. running the ball. But I don't yeah. think that calling a dive on fourth and two is really asking too much. Um, I don't think I don't think two and a half yards is too much to ask for a running back to get. Like, honestly, like you could fall forward for two and a half yards, you know. So yeah, for sure. Or or maybe yeah. maybe they could have done like a, you know, like a like a RPO. That's what I probably would have liked to do. You know, because you have the option of giving it to the tailback right up the middle or hitting that slant, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I, I totally get that. I, I don't think I don't think uh, inside run was necessarily you know, the wrong play. I just feel like the formation they lined up in, at least, I, you know, I'm a defensive guy. So the formation they lined up in, it was obvious it was going to be a run. So I would oh. have stacked the box by a lot. Like, oh, the formation was very telling. Yeah. Like it was like, oh, well like they've literally almost never threw out of this formation so we're going to stack the box and we're going to hit somebody and see what happens and uh obviously they knew what the play was because you could see the linemen coming in the linebackers were in there there was probably definitely even a safety or a corner up in there like it was a little bit of a mess um i don't even blame the old line for that one they kind of got overwhelmed there i'm not gonna lie and it just happens that's football so yeah, but with all that being said, Cody, how are you feeling about this Laney College team after this loss? And then you could talk about the loss as well, the second half. They, uh, I don't think they're out of the playoffs, like definitely okay. now. I'm pretty sure based off of what they were talking. Um, well, they said they had to run the table to have a chance of making it in, but yeah, they said that a few games ago, though. <laughs> I think they, they said that when they were like two and three. Oh, yeah, you're right. So, um, but I don't think it's too late to still have a good season. Um, you know, at this point, you know, it's just put stringing together good performances and good game plans to try and get these guys to the next level. I mean, that's what it's been about this whole season. But now you could really especially focus your game plan kind of to that and just try to finish strong. Um, Yeah, the offense needs to figure something out, man. Um, like, they don't have a bread and butter. Nope. Like, 
Like um, I know at least not a reliable one. I don't even think they have a bread and butter. Like they don't have a play. You know, like I have like I arguably have like two or three plays that it's like, okay, you know, if everything's going to heck, I can call this and we could probably get like two yards on it. You know, like you need yeah. something like that. And Laney just doesn't have it because they don't know what they have or who they are. Um, they need to figure that out as soon as possible if they want a chance at even going 500 or something like that this season. Um, uh, Nu, I, I mentioned it earlier, uh, impressed me. And Nu was he was vocal and he was flying around and knocking people out. I mean, he just he was a beast in that game. And, um, you know, I'd like to see maybe the offense gives news some more looks where they have them pull and stuff like that. And just like, put your, just let your best blocker lead the way and see where you can go from here. Um, that's a bad loss to, to have and, uh, arguably a back crusher. Um, yeah, that's kind of how all I have for the game personally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I think after a first half like that, chances of winning this game was really low already. I think they gave a really good effort that second half for sure. Like, there are some flashes there, but that was a pretty bad first half to overcome. And so I don't even blame them. This kind of seemed inevitable and whatnot. So um, it is what it is. They're probably out of the playoffs, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see. Uh, you know, if some players could get some offers, because you know, just keep in mind, even if there's not playoffs, you know, these kiddos still gotta play well if they want to go somewhere else. So that's uh, yep, it's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, with that being said, uh, let's talk about this end here of the episode because it was it was it was a little interesting. So Dior was trying to go to his grandmother's house. His father was waiting for him there, and so he was basically forced to interact with his father. It, it was very uncomfortable to say the least. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, like I kind of like up until this point, I probably could have given his dad the benefit of the doubt or something like that. But the way they're interacting, just I, I don't know. I just wasn't really obviously. I just wasn't really feeling it. I feel like no matter what Dior said. Um, the dad just had a very condescending like tone to literally every answer and every question and like kind of just had that uh that mentality of like you can't make it without me type of thing like very smug i do say so myself so what do you think about that uh or about that last scene cody do we um do we bleep out the word bastard what's the rules on bastard well, you didn't bleep it out last time when Liam said it. Simon. <laughs> Dior's dad is a bastard, dude. Like, he's, <laughs> like you said, so condescending. And he's like, oh my gosh. He asked Dior, like, so do you have a plan if uh, Rice and Hawaii don't work out? He's all, and Dior's all, no, because he doesn't. He's like, well, you know you can go to any school in California for free, right? Because me, like... He just feels yeah. like Dior owes him everything because he's like resourceful. And you could tell that Dior's dad feels no regret over anything that he's done, including like just straight up ruining Dior's life, you know? So um, I don't like his dad. He's so condescending. And man, I want Dior to succeed. 
you know, A, because he works so hard, you know, and he's a good guy, he's a good kid, but I really want him to succeed to spite his dad. Like, oh my gosh, bro, like, mm, that man is, he's a, he's an evil, horrible, vile man. That's all there is to it. He's so full of himself and he's toxic, you know? Um, we, we've talked about this with the Malik Henry story as far as like parents having a negative impact on kids' careers. And while Malik Henry's dad kind of did like, you know, like like forced him into football. That's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's the opposite with Dior's dad who forced him out of football, right? Like that is irredeemable because like at least Malik Henry had like second and third and fourth chances, you know, because he's, because Malik Henry's so talented, right? And his yeah. dad would like coordinate that, you know, like, Hey, this is Malik Henry. Like you want him on your football team. Dior doesn't have those same opportunities because Dior is a, a smaller guy, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot harder to get noticed like that. And he's not like a huge quarterback guy, you know, he's, he's just an offensive weapon. Right. So yeah, I, I don't like to use the word hate, but I strongly, strongly dislike Dior's dad. And, um, you know, I, I hope Dior succeeds because that, that at least a little bit proves karma exists and, uh, it's coming for Dior's dad. That's all I have to say. Um, I, I don't know how to make this into a message for young athletes, but there's something here as far as just like, you know, if your parents are like, I don't know. Simon, do you know what I'm like, where I'm trying to go with this? Yeah, I could, I could take it from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, I, okay. First off, in general, you should probably respect your parents. Um, should probably respect your parents. Like, I'm just going to say that. You should, because sure. they're older than you. And, you know, there's a level of respect that you should give them. But every kid hits an age where they're no longer a kid, where they hit that age of 18. And to be honest, you could legally make your own decisions and, and whatnot. And I get it. Like, if you're, if you come from a background where family is really important, like I did as well, you know, and you want to be around your family and you really value your family's uh, values. But at some point you got to, I mean, look, you got to make a decision for yourself. Eventually you got to move out of the house. You like, you know, you got to move out of the house, maybe not right away and whatnot, but eventually you got to move out of the house, make your own decisions. And when you get to that age, I really do believe that parents as great as they are and they've made sacrifices for you and you know to be honest sometimes most a lot of the time i won't say most of the time a lot of the time they do stuff because they feel like it's in your best interest and and it comes off as a little i don't know every parent's different and it comes off as a little condescending like it comes off as them being like oh well you still need me you know, and not in like the loving way, but in the, I need to be the alpha in this situation. And I don't honestly value our relationship to that point. Like I won't sacrifice my alpha status, um, to actually have a good relationship with you. Uh, but yeah, it did not seem like Dior's dad missed him. It seemed like yours dad valued, you know, being more of the alpha wouldn't even say man of the house, just more of an alpha being dominant over Dior rather than salvaging you know their actual relationship right 
didn't seem like he actually missed him to be honest it seemed very fake everything else he was saying and he came off as just extremely manipulative and there are a lot of parents that are like that they make their kiddos feel like they owe them something and you know to a degree yeah you do owe your uh, parent or guardian something but when it gets to the point where either you feel uncomfortable or it's hurting you in some way or like you feel like you it's crossing a line over and over and over again and there's no actual justification there outside of the fact that it's pride then maybe it's time to move on and cut that person off family or not you know i know there's always that saying out there that family's blood and sure and you know blood is thicker than water and sure that's true to a degree but you know not all blood is good blood so just putting that out there so yeah there's a lesson there eventually you got to grow up and be your own person and there's patience to it but you know that i don't know it's different for everyone it's it's a complicated topic for sure especially for young athletes all right cool well with that being said you want to break down nation rights yep coming up next nation right film at Laney College, and a little bit about his uh. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner. We're gonna break down the film of maybe not a Last Chance U star, but the brother of a Last Chance U star. We're breaking down the film of Nation Wright, Rajon Wright's brother. Uh, they both played corner over at Laney College. Nation obviously got that ring with his brother. Well, he was there, and then he ended up going to Oregon State. So we're going to break down his film. This should be pretty quick and whatnot. Uh, nothing too crazy because he is still in college. So uh, just fair warning. Uh, cornerback is probably one of the only positions I never played. So, Cody, you'll probably take the lead on this. But, Cody, what are some strengths of Nation Wright? So, for Nation Wright, he's obviously very athletic corner, um, pretty physical, and he does a lot of things right, okay? One of the things that is really, really strong of his is his ability to break to the ball. Now, we, there's some cornerbacks, even, yes, at the professional level, who take false steps when they're backpedaling or if they're shuffling. They take a false step, which... Young athletes, if you don't know what a false step is, you probably make one where <laughs> you take like two <laughs> steps before you go forward rather than one and explode. So his ability to not have a false step and break to the ball came up multiple times on his film and led to a few interceptions, some pass deflections that he really had no right making, I would say. And it's not because he has otherworldly speed. It's because he doesn't take... Like that false step seriously can cost you a whole second. And that second is the difference between a completion or an incompletion or, you know, tackling somebody as soon as they catch the ball versus letting them get a head full of steam. So he's great at breaking to the ball. So excellent footwork is a part of that. And, you know, he showed some versatility in the fact that, you know, he, he played in some zone looks during his highlight film. And he played, he made plays in man as well. I'd say he's a stronger zone player than he is a man player, 
but he can play both when asked to. I wouldn't ask him to do man all the time, and I think he could play zone a lot better if he had to do that all the time, but he's capable of both. Um, And last but not least, we Saturday night, we did some research uh, of uh, Nation before this, of the elder Wright brother um, before this segment, and turns out he used to play basketball. He wasn't as good of a basketball player as a football player, I would say. But one thing that I kind of saw carry over is he can box out receivers. I saw it on a few of his interceptions, and he has great ball skills. And it he looked exactly like somebody who's getting a rebound, where he kept up with the receiver, and then when the ball was in the air and it became a jump ball, he just the receiver couldn't get past him. And, and it was so easy for him to make the play because there is no way for the receiver to get around. So those were the strengths that I saw. Simon, nice. what what were some of the strengths that your defensive lineman slash linebacker eyes saw in, in a defensive back? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I thought he... Well, obviously, he's really good because he ended up going D1 and went to a Power 5. So there's no doubt about that. He has good athleticism. Agility is very nice. Um, I, I like what you said about the steps, too. I know a little bit about that. So I do know some stuff about, uh, you know, fake steps and whatnot. And, you know, Rajon, he played very efficiently. He has a very clean footwork, in my opinion. And it looked solid. And... Um, yeah, he's an efficient player, and it also helps that he's 6'4", <laughs> and he's not, like, super heavy either. Like, uh, he's only 180, I, right? Wait. I've been a little bit less, but I think he was only 180, 170 while at Laney. But 6'4", and moving the way he does as a corner, that's pretty good, you know? Um, that's perfect size for zone corners, in my opinion. And, you know, I thought he was a pretty solid tackler, at least... I won't say form, but I think he usually took pretty good angles and against the run, he did his job as well. So yeah, I mean, he seemed like the complete package for the most part. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I don't think I really have much more else about nation, right? He has good hands, you know, um, because of his height and I'm probably going to credit this probably more to his height than his, uh, than his athleticism, necessarily but because of his height you know no one's gonna win a jump ball over him or at least i haven't seen somebody win a straight up 50 50 jump ball over him which is good and then in the red zone as well you know he has he has long arms so those are really good for pressing especially in the red zone and jamming and all that great stuff and because he is a bit taller he can make up he could make up that um a short space is a lot easier since he is a bigger cornerback a way bigger cornerback actually i don't me i don't know many cornerbacks who are over six two six three actually so there you go yeah um do you want to i could start with weaknesses if you want i only really yeah, have ahead. one so my biggest weakness is just his top end speed because uh, you know he's agile and that's good and he has solid speed i just don't know if his top end speed is uh, you know, good enough to keep up with maybe the fastest receivers or even running backs out there, you know. I think, <laughs> and we kind of saw this in Last Chance of You, he could be a little bit more prone to get burnt if he's put on an island and there's a speedster out there. You know, and yeah, he's tall and so his height will help make up a lot of that as well, but uh, his top end speed doesn't 
I don't know. It just doesn't pop to me. You know, like he's explosive, like um, agility wise for sure. But top end speed wise, like it just seems like he's capped, you know, and obviously some kiddos, like they can't really control their speed outside of, you know, shaving off a handful of second or uh, not seconds, but like tenths of a seconds and uh, having better form. But he does have pretty good form and solid footwork from what I could see. And that's that's as fast as he could go and so for me that's a little bit concerning and is also why i would probably rather have him be a zone cornerback than a man cornerback which is a shame because i feel like he'd be a perfect um bump and go type of guy you know you just like he's six four so he's pretty long so you just uh, jam him up front and then if he has the makeup speed you know he's good to go but i just i don't know from what i could see at least uh, between college, between D1 and Juco film, it just didn't seem like uh, he had that great of top end speed or makeup speed. You know, am I wrong there? Does what do you think about that? That was actually one of my weaknesses as well. Was he doesn't have insane speed? Um, yeah. I I'm not even sure. I mean, which is a lot to ask for in in the Pac-12 conference, especially where you get some really speedy receivers. Um, yes, that's definitely a problem, and we've seen some of that so far in his collegiate career. Um, but yeah, I I don't mind putting him in zone. Um, I know he's physical enough where if he has help over the top, you know that he'll give receivers good jam and uh, throw them off their routes. But yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to leave him on an island, and, and we've seen what happens with that. Um, yeah. I think that his, you know, fundamentally he's very sound, right? So that makes up for his speed, but then, you know, it depends on the play, right? Where his aggressiveness can come to bite him kind of like in the, uh, I think a comparison as far as like his aggressive play, but not super, super fast speed is like Marcus Peters, right? Where Marcus Peters, he always plays ball and he goes for the pick. Right. But you know, if you get, if he's trying to play the ball, you know too much then that that can bite him and you could burn him so like if i was playing against nation right you know i'd like out and ups i would like stop and goes you know where you try and get him to break on the ball especially like out and ups you try and get him to break and then like he's not going to recover i don't think you know he's not fast enough especially against slot guys um like i feel like you know he matches up better against, I'd argue, a Cortland Sutton than a KJ Hamler, just because the top end speed is not there. Um, no, yeah, I I was just gonna say, I, he's not a slot cornerback. <laughs> I I really wouldn't feel comfortable putting him in the slot at all. He's definitely like outside cornerback type of guy, which is fine, you know, because you need those guys in the red zone, you know, um, when 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 it comes down to it, you know, I think. Let me think about this. I think, you know, in the NFL, where whenever they put out a tight end in, uh, uh, sorry, whenever they uh, bring a tight end out wide and whatnot, like specifically, I'm thinking of like Gronk in his Patriot days. Uh, it helps to have a cornerback that's over six foot. <laughs> you know, it helps to have like a Richard Sherman type or uh, a Brandon Browner type even to like, you know, jam him and, um, stop him in the red zone because that's where it matters too. You know, obviously, um, you're not always going to be in red zone situations. But you know, if there were to ever be a cornerback that you need in the red zone, Nation uh, Nation definitely seems like that kind of corner. You know, 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and that was another weakness I put was just like um versatility wise. I don't see yeah. like he's pretty one dimensional as a cornerback if you want him to play up to his full um full potential. So Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean maybe he could be I really didn't see enough special teams play, which maybe just means he's not out there, which is a little concerning. And even when he was tackling, like, <laughs> I'm not cool. Like, it wasn't the best form. Like, he'd always have the right angle. And so, you know, he'd eventually make the tackle. But the form wasn't always up to par, too. So I'd even be a little hesitant to put him on special teams as well. Maybe. I almost think he'd be a better receiver than a cornerback. Uh, me too, actually. Um, but too, it's it's kind of too late to make that transition, I think. Um, but I think he also he wants, I think he but... played some receiver in high school, so I'm yeah, surprised that that didn't it didn't go that way rather than the defensive back route. But you know, you could see it in the JUCO film that he was just like receivers really didn't stand a chance against him at the JUCO level. You know, so he's kind of yeah. in that weird in between where, you know, I feel like maybe he could be a late round kind of guy or like a practice squad guy in the NFL. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, he's okay. it's just he doesn't have NFL speed. And that's ultimately like it just sucks because there's really nothing you can do about that. Um, oh, yes. Sure. Great ball instincts. You know, um, he, he has great body control. You talked about his agility, I think. You know, that goes hand in hand with his balance and his body control. And he, he's a solid football player. And, you know, he makes some plays at Oregon, Oregon State and he uh, misses some. I mean, that's just life as a defensive back, really, in general. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see if he gets a shot in the NFL. I'm not super sure about that. But, you know, we're, we're going to dissect um, his brother, Rajon's film. And I think I think he's faster and yeah has a better shot at the nfl probably no yeah for sure i feel a lot better about rajon than a uh, nation but i think uh i would also i mean i don't know like he could definitely switch if he wanted to um to receiver but that would definitely be a hassle and then obviously his scholarship would be on the line um so there's that but i think maybe he might be a little bit more well suited as a safety on the nfl level not gonna lie i know he doesn't have top end speed but if he's playing that zone anyways and like if you utilize him right i think maybe he'll be all right maybe but that's see a, i was thinking about that but like see, i guess time. i said i was thinking about that but i think philosophically maybe this is just me needs to be pretty quick sorry say that again i was saying maybe it's just me but i really like my safety quick like, no, yeah. I mean, he's quick. He just doesn't have that top end speed. You know, like I think he could change directions really well. And like if he sees a receiver coming up to him, like playing in that zone position, I think he'll be fine and whatnot. But like if he's not like that's that's assuming he stays over the top and doesn't get burnt, though. You know, and he well, recognizes when. Uh, but I, I don't know. I would have to see it for myself. Honestly, if he could play safety, um, but that's more for next level stuff, I guess. If anything, he's also he's six four, you know, and having, you know, a uh, a football player with good ball skills at six four and good agility and footwork, uh, that you know that that's definitely rare when it comes to uh, 
at least I feel like it's rare when it comes to some football teams. I'm sorry. When it comes to some football teams, regardless of the level. And so he could, you know, he could probably have a more of a utility gadget kind of role. I would say like, I would probably feel better about him making the NFL as a practice squad player or as a backup player, as a safety than as a cornerback. I don't know if he can make it as a cornerback, to be honest. I mean, I'd love for him to prove us wrong, but you know, that's sure. kind of what I see. Um, yeah, and he seems like a nice guy. Like he seems well, first off, he seems a lot more tamer than Rajon. So there's that. And that pays off for something for sure. So you never know. I think he, bare minimum, has a pretty bright future in potentially coaching just based off of how strong his fundamentals are and his demeanor. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree. I'd like to see him back at, well, maybe not back at Laney College, but that'd be a cool opportunity to see him coach at Laney. Yeah. So, no, but that's all I got. Uh, that's all I have to say about Nashon. Do you have anything to add? I do not. All right. Well, got it. Go ahead. That does it for this week's episode of Playmakers Corner Podcast. Don't forget to find us on social media. We are on Twitter at Playmaker Corner. That's a capital P and a capital C at Playmaker Corner, or you can look at look us up as Playmakers Corner. We are at Playmaker Corner or Playmakers Corner on Instagram, all lowercase, or you can just look up Playmakers Corner. And uh, both of those ats and the username of Instagram and Twitter have no apostrophe. We are also on Facebook as Playmakers Corner. Don't forget to follow us, like us, and share us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts as well as Breaker Podcast and a handful of others that are available on Anchor. It'll direct you to other streaming services that you may like to use. You can listen to us on your phone, on your laptop, and just on the go in general. And I said it at the beginning, but if you have any film of any high school or amateur share with us for us to break down, we will do it. Please send it in. DM us at any of those social medias. But that does it for this week's episode. I've been Cody Stoffer. I'm your other co-host, Simon Villanos. And until next time.